Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Patriots Report right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Christopher Price of the Boston Globe. This week, our guest is Kyrie Thompson, who covers the Patriots for Boston.com. But first, before we start a conversation with Kyrie, I want to let you guys know about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info and odds. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's odds for the Masters Championship and the start to the Major League Baseball season. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on popular sports and games. Bet online, where the game starts. Now let's get to our conversation with Kyrie Thompson. Kyrie, my first question for you. How many people had to double check and see that it was Devontae Parker the Patriots dealt for and not Devontae Adams? Well, I mean, I would hope there were zero people, right? <laughs> because, because I mean, like it was a huge deal when Devontae Adams went you know, and signed with Josh McDaniels Raiders for that record price. Uh, at the same time, I can only imagine that, you know, there's like, you know, oh, that Devontae? No, the other one. I mean, there's like <laughs> however many Devontae's out there, you know. Um, so, hey, I mean, wishful thinking, but I think it's all right that they got this one. I was a little, I don't know, eh, about the idea of trading for him before, but I could see it. How do we feel about him? How do you see him fitting into this offense if he is healthy? And that, that's the one thing that continues to stand out for me when you consider his career. If he can replicate or if he can come close to replicating what he did in 2019, this should be a pretty good addition to this offense. Absolutely. And I, I think the thing with Parker is the, the first thing I thought and that a lot of people are thinking is he is going to be, in theory, what Nikhil Harry was always supposed to be. The guy that can just make a play when there isn't a whole lot there, who can box you out, who can get open down the field and just win, find a way to win on the outside. And, and when Parker's on the field, he does that, right? And the Patriots are, you know, Patriots fans are very well versed with what he did to Stefan Gilmore a couple of years ago. Um, but as you said, it's all about him staying on the field. The other thing that he does Right. So in, in addition to giving Mac Jones a guy that just gives you margin for error, because I think that that was a huge issue last year where if guys weren't open or if the timing wasn't just right, there, there weren't guys just making plays that you didn't expect them to make. Whereas Parker, you can just kind of throw it up and, and he can find a way to bring it down. But the other thing that he allows you to do is get Nelson Aguilar back in a place where he arguably belongs the most, which yes. is the slot. Yeah. Um, and that was something that I actually looked into earlier today. The Patriots only used Aguilar in the slot like 9% of the time last year, which is well down from his, his typical usage in the slot. And if you recall, that's how he really resurrected his career in Philadelphia back in 2017. They put him in the slot and he had one of the best years of his career. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that he can take the top off of defense from there. And he can really stress opponents in the middle of the field. Um, you know, arguably his highlight of the year was that huge, the 44-yard completion that Mac Jones hit with him against the Chargers, running, running a post down the middle of the field. So 
I would expect to see those kinds of things from Aguilar again, and arguably seeing him be more dangerous because they don't shoehorn him into being an outside receiver. They've got a real legit X to do that now. The two things, and I'm glad you bring up Aguilar, it's a domino effect if it works well. Parker is healthy. You can put Aguilar where he needs to be. You can get guys in positions to succeed more so than you could this past season. And then really this, the, the, the second thing for me is that it puts a sense of urgency in the minds of some of the guys who are on the back end of that roster, specifically Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry is going to have to come out and have a very good spring, I think, if he wants to find a way to stick around come, uh, you know, come September. Honestly, I don't even know that that's going to happen. I'm going I'm to be completely honest with you. I mean, it, it's an interesting idea, right? Like what if he comes out and has, you know, this incredible, you know, start to camp, right? At least the first couple of days that he did last year where he's making highlight plays and, and, and you know, really standing out, um, though he didn't do much in, in, in the preseason games. So say, what, say that does happen right? Maybe there's an idea that he could stick around on the back end of the roster, but there are a couple of things working against that. The big one being that he doesn't offer a lot of special teams value. And if you're not going to be playing every down, you want your, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth receivers to be doing that. They tried to make him a punt returner last year, and that did not go well. And so (laughs) I, I honestly, I don't see Nikhil Harry being on this team. I think that you know, especially if they if they draft a receiver or two in in this draft and you know coming up this month, I feel like his time in New England is probably done for. Um, whether it's a trade or a cut, because they can save a, a bit of money by cutting him coming into the, the fourth year of this deal. So, I mean, I I just think it's going to be really hard to see him on this roster. Then again, I mean, we've seen crazier things, so why not? These are the Patriots. Stranger things have happened. If you come out in the spring, if you guys are there on the hill for OTAs and you see Nikhil Harry working with special teams, working with a punt team, working with a kickoff team, then you start to think, well, okay, well, maybe this might work. This could, you know, trying to find a way. But he, he just, for me, and this is a horrible comparison, and it's probably unfair to to both of these guys, but at this stage of his career, he reminds me a little bit of Aaron Dobson after two years, where you just you need to see more. You need to see a sense of urgency. You need to see a sense of, look, I need to start making plays. I need to start standing out more than I have in my first couple of years. So it, it, it's a tough situation to be in. I think we're going to learn a lot about Nikhil Harry over these next couple of months. But I, I, I tend to side with you here in that it's going to be a challenge for him to make this roster. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to make it. The only way he's going to be able to make it, I think, really right now is if he pops big time over the course of the spring and the summer. Yeah. I mean, it, it's got to be it's got to be incredible. Like he has found the light and you have to put him on the field and, you know, put him on the field to catch passes. Right. Because that, that's the thing. Right. They found a role for him as basically like a like a tight end right where he's just into to block right he's almost like an inline tight end they weren't throwing him the ball and that's just not that's just not valuable enough in this offense right they they need people to catch passes and and i feel like the way they're trending on offense right now is to spread things out and allow mac jones to start to cook a little bit more because I think that's really the only that's the only way that they get better from where they were last year is that it now has to become Mac Jones's show and if that's going to happen 
I don't know that you can have a receiver out there that's just not doing anything that's not useful in the passing game. Last question for me on Nikhil Harry. What if they decide to make to give him a, a give him the Foxborough flu for a year, put him on IR, kind of just just tell him to go work out, get bigger, get get more physical, get stronger, and then he comes back as a tight end. Is that feasible? You know, I I, I think that that's an intriguing idea because we've seen that with like a Kelvin Benjamin, um, though that would happen arguably a bit too late in his career. Then again, I mean, Kelvin Benjamin was a productive wide receiver. Um, with, with Harry, I, I feel like he is going to be at a crossroads of his career where I feel like they've probably taken calls on him and they, they've been trying to, to, to trade him for a while here, but nobody's really taking Right. There isn't a whole lot of value. And do I really want to send a late round draft pick for Nikhil Harry when I could just use that on somebody else? Right. Mm -hmm. And and people have been talking about, oh, yeah, like maybe there's promise for him as a, you know, a go, you know, go up and get it guy or a box out guy for another team. Then I don't know. I feel like another team might have bitten on that by now. So I feel like that's a non zero possibility because say he, isn't say he he does kind of get redshirted this year right and they're not going to pick up his fifth year option so then he's going to have to basically sit and be like how do i stay in the nfl right it's not happening for me as a wide receiver he's already what six four right he's already big bodied and he can you know run decently in terms of like what you would expect for a tight end so i don't know maybe there's that that idea of you use him more in that kind of role as a as a move tight end and see if he can create some mismatches that way because he's just not doing it on the outside he's not quick enough he's not fast enough his hands haven't been reliable enough so if he's going to stay in the nfl i feel like that almost has to be on the table at some point I saw you tweet this in the wake of the Parker trade. You you see the Patriots going in a different direction than wide receiver at number 21. You think they might target a guard? I feel like there there's only one guard that I would do it for, and that would be Zion Johnson, because I feel like he has the potential to be a, a pro bowler, right? And and you know, be good right away. Mm-hmm. Now you could obviously argue that you know, using a, a pick at guard is not a great allocation of resources when you have needs on defense that you do have to satisfy. You need more dynamic off-ball linebackers. You arguably could use another edge rusher if you can find one, right? And you could even argue wide receiver is, is you know, more, more you know, a, a better allocation of a first-round pick than a guard. It's just not a bigger need, though. They need a guard. Now, that's not to say that they can't get one later on. And I feel like maybe that could be the, the more likely scenario, right? As you're looking at an interior offensive lineman in round two, round three, or, or after, right? Because the, the Patriots, you know, they got Michael on Winu in the sixth round, right? And, and, and I feel like they, they look a lot in the later rounds for that kind of value. But I think that when it comes to the way that the Patriots have approached this offseason, I think they've set themselves up to try to look for the best player available at number 21 or, or whatever pick they take in the first round, say they traded down. Right. And right now that is one of the, the, the biggest glaring spots that you have to look at. And if a player like Zion Johnson, who has everything the Patriots want in terms of his, his, you know, his movement ability, 
his strength, his raw brute strength. They love guys that bench press well, and Zion Johnson did it better than anyone at the combine. I was there. I saw it up close. It was impressive stuff. And so I feel like if you believe that the rest of your if of your team, you can kind of mix and match places and and you know kind of you know deal with whatever you've got or, or, or find value later on in the draft, I feel like you at least have to consider it. Where will Traylon Burks go and where should he go? Oh my goodness. I am so happy that you brought up Traylon Burks. He has been in my head for the, for most of, of today and lat and, and yesterday afternoon. And, and the reason is this because Traylon Burks could absolutely fall down to the Patriots. I, I think he will. Um, like in into that range. I don't think he should go to the second round. He might, if people don't like it, if people are that turned off by his testing, but he shouldn't. And and the reason is this, right? We've heard a couple of, of GMs talk about the way that testing is used, right? It's not supposed to be the be all end all. It's supposed to confirm what you see on tape, right? And some people look at, you know, him only running, only running a four, five, five at what, six, three, 225 pounds. And like, eh, it wasn't what we wanted. He didn't jump as well as people want. You know, they don't see the explosiveness. Right. And the three cone is not, you know, necessarily uh, what the Patriots would be looking for. I I checked this since 2009 um, out of the 11 receivers that the Patriots have drafted, only two of them have had a three cone worse than seven seconds. And Traylon Burks was like at a seven eighteen. At the same time, I look at a guy like Cortland Sutton with the Denver Broncos. They have very, him and Burks have very similar body types and they move very similarly on the football field. Yeah, they're not going to maybe, you know, blow your doors off in the first five, 10 yards, but when they get up to speed, they are going and they move smoothly. And, and I think that when I see a guy like Traylon Burks, I could almost, I I could see the Patriots maybe being like, you know what, this guy's just a good football player. And the tape backs up the idea that he should be a first round pick and that he could, he could be a, you know, a good pick at number 21 because he can be moved around in the offense and play, you know, any role that you want. He can be on the outside with that size. He can win out there. He can win in the slot. Right. And he has underrated speed to get away from you once you get the ball in his hands and he's in the open. Go look at the Alabama tape and watch him run away from angles of Alabama defensive backs who are running four threes. You know what I mean? So I think Traylon Burks should be a first round pick. I don't, I, I'm not going to bet that the Patriots are going to take him, maybe because of some of the woes they've had taking first round receivers and, you know, some of the three cone concerns. But if the Patriots did take him, I think they could be getting a big time steal. Is the Debo Samuel comparison a bit of an overreach at this point in his career? I think I I don't entirely like it because I think that their play styles are different. Debo Samuel is, is a big thick guy who breaks a ton of tackles and that you can play at running back. I would not play Traylon Burks at running back right now the, 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 again, I would say, the the comp I would use might be more of or an AJ Brown or a Cortland Sutton. And I think the Sutton one is the one that really sticks in my mind here, because to me, it's about, yeah, he, he doesn't have, you know, maybe the, the quick twitchy burst that Samuel can have, which is part of why he can be so good at running back and so effective there. But 
I would still give him the ball on an end around. I would give him the ball on a bubble screen. You know, I'd, I'd get him the ball quick and see what he can do with it. He's that kind of player where it's just like, just get him the football and, and let him operate in space. So I, I don't love the Debo Samuel comparison because I feel like, you know, it, it's going to make people exaggerate what Traylon Burks is, you know, can't do or, or what is what he's best suited for. But there are definitely successful NFL wide receivers that he comps well to. And I think that people shouldn't lose sight of that when it comes to just looking at how well he runs in, in the 40 yard dash. Specifically, I'm glad you bring up some NFL wide receivers because I'm going to read you a list of guys here, some receivers and some guys on the defensive side of the ball. And I want you to do buy or sell if you're the Patriots with these guys who are still free agents, who are still on the market, who might be a fit on some level with the Patriots. So let's start off here with Odell Beckham Jr. I would buy that. Um, I think it's going to, it would have to take a little bit later into the season, but I feel like, again, the, um, you know, the interest is there or it has been in the past between the two sides. And if you can get him at a bargain, I would say, why not? And, and again, part of the reason being that, that he has shown that he's willing to do whatever it takes. He will play any role you ask him to play. He can still, he can still get open. He proved it last year. And he was really good in the red zone, right? Like maybe the overall numbers weren't like he wasn't, you know, putting on pace for like a thousand yard season or whatever, but he was scoring touchdowns. And with the the Patriots red zone passing attack, I mean, obviously Hunter Henry bore the brunt of that last year, but it's never a bad thing to have more red zone targets. I would like that. Julio Jones. That one, um, I, I just am not sure about the health at this point. Um, so I would probably say sell my guy, Emmanuel Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders, another one I would buy, um, again, you know, he can, he can play anywhere you want him to do slot, um, you know, outside, he, you know, they, they saw what he can do again, you know, when he was a member of the bills and you know how bill likes to scout opposing players and see what they can do for their team. I, I think that he would be a good fit as well. The other thing too, I, and I just, I always come back to Sanders. They tried to get him a few years ago. They couldn't make the money work. Just a, a, a smart veteran, not looking for, I imagine anyway, not looking for a ton of dough would seem to be a decent fit, at least at this stage of his career. I'll give you one more wide receiver name here. Cole Beasley. Yeah, I think, I think Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley in terms of his play style. Yeah, that would be a fit. I mean, I, I wouldn't run around talking about him as like, oh yeah, he's the next Julian Edelman or Wes Welker or whatever. But again, it, it's the kind of role that, that he fits. He, he's one of the better slot receivers in the league, whatever you think of, you know, some of the other things that he, you know, brings along um, in terms of baggage, but I mean, yeah, he, he, he gets open and ultimately where the Patriots struggled last year, especially on third downs was that everybody knew that Mac Jones wanted to throw to Jacoby Myers. He was the only person he really, really, really trusted on third downs and other teams knew it too. And so they started to take Jacoby Myers away and then things got dicey when you can have Jacoby Myers doing what he does and Cole Beasley breaking things down from the slot, then things get really hard to defend if you're an opposing team. So I would buy that. Let me give you a couple of defensive names. Akeem Hicks. As a Chicago Bears guy, I would love that for the Patriots. Again, it would probably be a, um, you know, a, a low risk, you know, medium to slash high reward signing because 
I think that Hicks, if healthy, is better than anything they have on the interior right now outside of Christian Barmore. And again, I know how much Bill Belichick you know, looked at Akeem Hicks as the one who got away, wishes they could have kept him. Uh, when he when he went away and signed, you know, some big deals and excelled with the Bears. I think if Akeem Hicks is healthy, he would be a, a coup for the Patriots. You mentioned the need for one more edge rusher. And if they can get the money right here, this seems to be such a natural fit. I, I'm surprised more people aren't talking about this. Trey Flowers. Oh, yeah. 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 And I mean, that that is that is a, a favorite around the Patriots beat. And, and I mean, again, it almost seems to make too much sense, both because you know, of, of what he does well and what he could do in, in a, in a rotational role here, or, or even, you know, starting right out uh, aside from Matthew Judon, but also, I mean, the Patriots have shown how many times, like, I feel like we don't even have to go in into, you know, down the list, how many times they're willing to bring back guys that, you know, have gone and flourished and gotten paid elsewhere and say, Hey, you ready to come back and play for a winner. Right. And, and I think Trey Flowers would, would, in theory, be up for that if they can get the money right. There's a couple other names out there. I don't know if anyone else really kind of jumps off the page at you. The Honey Badger, you know, Steph Gilmore is still available. Um, Dwayne Brown, possibly left tackle, right tackle. Sony Michelle, Kyle Rudolph. Any of these names really, I mean, any, any of these names light your fire? Well, I think the Honey Badger one is is – super interesting because he is exactly the type of player that the Patriots defense loves. Mm -hmm. He can play anything. He can play safety. He can play slot corner. He can play on the outside. If, if you, if you really, really needed him to. Right. And, and he, he's really positionless and that's part of what they wanted. That is part of what they're going to want from Jabril Peppers. Right. So I would say Jabril Peppers is probably the, the, you know, quicker and more explosive version of that. Um, at this point in, in his career, assuming that, that Drew Bill Reppers is healthy again. Um, Stefan Gilmore is such an interesting case because people look at Malcolm Butler coming back and it's like, see, it can happen, mm -hmm. right? Like you, like time heals wounds. I don't know if that's going to be the case for Steph Gilmore. I, I really don't because I, I feel like he's been very vocal about how he didn't like the way that his injury was handled with the Patriots. So maybe there's going to be some, you know, bad blood there at the same time, man, if if the money lined up it would be perfect like like it, that's the kind of thing that could get you back to you know that that man coverage lockdown kind of stuff that that he was doing back you know when when he was in his prime i mean again he's what 31 now so he's got some miles on him but he proved he could do it last year when he came back from injury and i feel like that that kind of stuff can make the patriots defense even more dangerous i just don't i just don't see it uh, because of the way it had ended. The addition of Peppers, it kind of feels a little bit like the addition of Parker in that these are two guys who have really been productive in the, you know, in the not too distant past, but are both coming off injuries. They have question marks around them, the health. I, I feel like we're not talking about the addition of Peppers enough. Peppers to me can be one of those guys if it works out that we're talking about at the end of the year, the same way that we discussed. I don't know. I don't want to put him in the Hunter Henry class, but he, he just, it, how about this? Adrian Phillips. He reminds me of an Adrian Phillips type in that he's a, a smart, dependable veteran who really looks like, at least on the surface, the kind of guy who would fit in Foxborough. 
Yes. And, and I, I 100% agree with you on that. So, I mean, right now, I would say, aside from the, the veteran re-signings, right, which, you know, of Devin McCourty, which I think was absolutely necessary, because, especially because you didn't know what shape your secondary is going to take. So you might as well have a guy who can play, you know, just, just lock down the deep part of the field, no matter what, what coverage you're playing. So I felt like that was necessary. And then aside from Malcolm Butler, and which just kind of, again, changes the tenor, I feel like, of how you feel about the Patriots offseason, because you could not go into week one of the regular season with Jalen Mills potentially being your number one cornerback. Just couldn't have that happen. Um, and so I think Malcolm Butler helps that out. But Peppers, you, you bring up Adrian Phillips, and I really think that they're going to be playing fairly similar roles. And that now gives you, what, three safeties in Phillips, Duggar, and, and now Peppers that can play in the slot. They can play in, in the deep part of the field. They can play in the box against the run. And, and I mean, they could even play just like off-ball linebacker, right? Which is something that Phillips did in his, in his first year uh, here, here in, in Foxborough because they just needed that. And same with, with Duggar, right? He was basically just like another linebacker. And I think Peppers can do that too. And I think that another thing that that signals, right, I don't know what the snap distribution is going to be like. We're going to have to see what that looks like when training camp starts and in the preseason and, and all that. But there's a possibility that they are going to use big, like, like big nickels, so three safety lineups, mm-hmm. maybe even four safety lineups, more than, than anything that we've seen, because the league is getting faster and, and it's about spreading opponents out now. And, and, you know, challenging defensive speed. And, and, and from that standpoint, having a bunch of big bulky linebackers, like what the Patriots are used to having, that's how you get sliced and diced. And so I think that there's going to be even more occasion to play three and maybe four safeties on the field together to take away some of those mismatch issues. And Peppers is, is going to be really key to that. That feels like a way to make your defense younger and faster. Maybe not necessarily younger, but that was one of the things that we saw at the end of the year last year. This defense, no question, needed to get faster and to be able to add more defensive backs to you know, your roster, get a little deeper there for, you know, for game planning purposes, also just for general depth purposes, would seem to be a, a, a relatively quick fix for a defense that appeared to be struggling at the end of last season. Definitely. And, and I think that it, well, we'll have to see what they do with the linebacker position, because obviously you could look at, you know, a number of off ball linebackers. And I feel like you want to get at least one that's going to be that's going to be fast. At the same time, you could you could conceivably see a scenario where maybe they're like, you know what, let's see what we got in camera grown who didn't play last year because he was recovering from an ACL. See what Raekwon McMillan can do after after coming after having his own ACL injury in training camp see what McMillan can do um, and see if he can stay healthy and then have Jawan Bentley starting you know on the on the first couple of downs and then after that maybe you're going to see more of Mac Wilson right or or you know McGrone or McMillan or what have you alongside three or four safeties right or, or, or so, something like that and, and really kind of be like, you know what, if y'all are going to run on third down, have fun with that. And we, we still have guys like Phillips and stuff that can come up and thump you. But if you're going to spread us out, we're, we're still going to stay multiple enough to where if you want to run, we can stop you. But we have enough speed and versatility to where we can still cover all of your guys. 
And I feel like that's going to be really important when it comes to, you know, kind of taking some of the pressure off the cornerbacks. Um, because I think we saw how, how much that got whittled down, the, the depth that cornerback got whittled down at the end of the year when Jonathan Jones was out. You know, when you had Jalen Mills missing some time and then Joan Williams and Devontae Bosby were on the field, right? So now you can still potentially have cornerbacks who can, who can be multiple enough to play in the slot and inside. But then if you have injury issues, Jabril, Pepper, you know, Jabril Peppers can play slot corner. Or maybe you could ask Kyle Duggar to do it. Last free agent question for me. Is Dante Hightower on this team this year? My guess is no. Um, I, I just, in there, again, there's always that possibility that, you know what, maybe he's going to look at his market and be like, look, I'll take less to come back because I love it here. And the Patriots are going to say, you know what, like we, we love your leadership. You know, you, we've been with you through thick and thin, right. And, and we value you. But I think that one way or another, you know, Dante Hightower's role in the NFL, whether it's with the Patriots or potentially with another team, I mean, he's getting to that point of his career where it's going to slow down. I, I don't, I don't know that he would be a, a a starting player in the sense that he's going to play the lion's share of defensive snaps anymore, even if he was in in New England. So I think that the future is coming. Um, I was of the opinion that it was going to be one of Bentley or Hightower back, not both. And obviously they brought back Bentley and he's a little bit younger and you perhaps has a little bit more upside. So um, that's kind of how I see it at the same time. I mean, look at what we saw last year when the Patriots went out and signed Johnu Smith and we thought there's uh, well, that's it. They chose Johnu Smith over Hunter Henry. And then they brought both of them in anyway. Mm -hmm. So there's always a surprise out there. I know it's a slightly different situation, but I mean, for the right price, I think Hightower could be back. But it depends on how he feels about his own value at this point in his career. And if you would rather just say, you know what, if it's not worth it, then I'll be done. You have a really interesting Q&A up at Boston.com now where you interviewed legendary agent Lee Steinberg. What was that like and what sort of Patriots related takeaways did you get? You know, it was it was interesting because I had not uh, known very well about um, you know, his history with the Patriots. And, you know, so it was, it was this really just interesting thing to me, you know, when he was like, yeah, I, you know, I know Bob Kraft, you know, pretty well. And like, like I stayed at his like summer house one time, we were like working on Drew Bledsoe's contract, like back in the mid nineties and, and things like that. And so it's like, obviously a guy who's, who's been around the block. And you no, know, I asked him about the Drew Bledsoe thing, because it's always, every time it comes up, right. When, when you, when you realize like, yeah, he, basically almost got killed on the football field. And then he lost his job to the greatest quarterback of all time. And essentially what Lee was saying is like, yeah, he, you know, Bob Traff, you know, Bob Kraft still treats, you know, Drew Bledsoe really well. You still see him around the way every once in a while, um, you know, in Foxborough, but football is football. And I think that the overarching takeaway is that the Patriots do the business of football better than any other franchise out there because they're just not afraid to say, you know what, this player, as good as he is, or as high as we drafted him, we just don't think they're essential enough to winning to keep around. So we're just going to plug and play with the next one. We're going to draft a mid-round guy and have him do your job. And that is how, at least, you know, as Lee talked about it, and as so many other people have talked about it, that's how you sustain a 20-year dynasty when so many teams are up 
and down and they rebuild and they come back and they're good for a couple of years and then they're off again. The Patriots were just never off for 20 years. How did you interpret Robert Kraft's comments about the state of the team he made at the owners meetings a couple of weeks ago? You know, I've been, I've been asked about that a couple of times and I feel like people really looked at that as, well, he's needling Belichick and, and, and sending a message that, oh, if you don't have a good draft this year or the team's not good this year, then, I mean, you know, maybe he's on the hot seat or something. And I just, I can't, I just can't see that. I just don't. I mean, I think that obviously what the, the way I interpret it is Robert Kraft wants to see this team compete for titles and continue being good enough to win as he gets up there in age. Right. He, he doesn't want to see a rebuilding process. He wants to see this team continue to compete. And that means building through the draft. Right. And, and, and not necessarily going out and, you know, spending money on the shiny new object. Right. The the big name wide receiver or the, you know, the, the big name offensive tackle or, you know, what, what have you. Right. And, and for agency, it's about building through the draft. At the same time, I, I look at it and, and again, he acknowledges it in the piece. Right. And in, in those comments that. Yeah, they had a good draft last year. I was happy to see that after what happened in the previous four years. And so there was a tone of optimism there that I feel like people just kind of skipped over in light of being like, well, you know, look at that. He's challenging Belichick. And again, I, I just don't see any scenario in which Bill Belichick is forced to leave the Patriots before he feels like doing it because, again, I come from Chicagoland and I have seen incompetence of all magnitudes with <laughs> the team that I grew up watching. And, and it is unfathomable to me that people are so quick to want to, to get rid of Belichick or say, well, it's time to move on in light of, of, of how every team in football wants to be like him and wants to do the things that he does. So I just, I don't see any scenario in which Bill Belichick is in any danger. He's going to be here as long as he wants. And Bob Kraft even said it. He's got a unique way of doing things and it has worked pretty well over the last few decades. Kyrie Thompson, you've given us an awful lot to think about. Thank you so much for joining me this week here on the Patriots Report. Want to get an update from you as to what you're working on now and also let people know where they can read your stuff, where they can follow you on social media. Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at KDThompson5. I'm always on there. Feel free to hit me up with any Patriots questions you have. Looking to get a little mailbag started, so that could be fun. Um, in, in the you know upcoming weeks, there's going to be a lot of NFL draft. Uh, as a matter of fact, today I'm going to be looking into uh, how the Patriots have allocated their draft capital and how successful they've been at it. And I'm going to be doing a little bit of diving into some of these prospects, maybe even a Traylon Burks, because you got my wheels turning, Chris. I love it. Um, but I love it's it. definitely, you know, I, I like diving into prospects this time of year and, and having a look at what the Patriots may or may not do. So um, have a look at what I do and the rest of our team at Boston.com is doing. And I hope to interact with you at some point. I love it. I love it. I'm looking forward to it as a Traylon Burks truther. I am very excited about the possibility of seeing him in Foxborough and figuring out what he might be able to do within that New England offense. Kyrie, thanks again. Hopefully we will hook it up again, maybe post-draft. We'll talk a little bit more Patriots. Anytime, Chris. Anytime.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.